Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete, two-year starter, consummate glue guy, and co-host... Ryan! Cam! Two-man monster flush! Off the inbound! Ryan Cam Slam Jam! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Service from the heart to become your Realtors for Real Life is Team Anders Realtors' mission. Team Anders helps its clients find the home that best fits their needs and makes the process simple and fun along the way. Team Anders will be in close communication with you personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. They have served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. I gotta admit, I spent a lot of time ripping the NBA here, but I've gotta say, the class to stop the draft last week, midway through the first round to play a video in honor of and then posthumously draft Terrence Clark, the 19-year-old former Kentucky Wildcat who tragically died in a car accident this past spring, was phenomenal. Isn't it amazing when humanity shines through all of this COVID and political darkness? Hats off, NBA. Tip of the cap to Xander Schauffele, too. He's always in my major foursome, and he finally had a big breakthrough winning gold in Tokyo. Of course, I didn't bet on him this time, but nonetheless, congrats, Xander. NFL preseason kicks off tomorrow. Major League Baseball is in full swing, and the Tigers are within arm's length of second place in the Central. That relates to last week's topic about who's closest. Pistons didn't blow it and made the right move with the number one pick in the draft last week. College football is inching ever so close. Michigan State starts camp, I believe, tomorrow. A lot of schools are in the same boat. So much to talk about. Before we dive into this week's four downs, let's go to the podium. Ryan, the lectern is yours. Yeah, NFL tomorrow. Don't care if it's preseason, it's football. Thank goodness for that. Uh, shout out to Xander for his gold medal. Uh, all the athletes doing well over there in Tokyo. Uh, been fun to follow along and watch. Uh, I haven't been much of a guy to get up on my on the soapbox and preach to the choir, but uh, today I'm going to do that. Um, yeah. Uh, Get my sad voice on. Um, July 30th, 2021. Very sad day in my mind. Um, and I, I mark it as the official beginning of the end of college football and college athletics as a whole. And as we know it, um, why this day? Uh, why is this the death of, I think, the beginning of the end? Uh, this when Texas and Oklahoma officially um, agreed to join the SEC starting in 2025. Um now money is all that matters. That money mattered a lot before, but now money is, it's, it's not even, it's ridiculous how much money matters. It's all that matters now. Um, Texas and Oklahoma were selfish and greedy. They left a conference that they helped create, uh, and they had ESPN in their, in their ear telling them what to do. God, I don't care what ESPN says that they didn't do it. They did. Uh, I guarantee you they did because the SEC is what's going to make them money. Um, in the end, and they think that this Super League BS is going to help them make money and they can own it and run college football. 
which they basically already do, but they're trying to do even more. Um, these are just a few names to blame. Um, but yeah, like I said, uh, super leagues are coming. I think in 10 years, we're not going to recognize what college sports look like. I don't know if the NCAA is going to be a thing anymore. Um, I think there's, this will be some 50 team super league of college football, uh, which is really, really sad, especially for smaller schools, uh, mid majors, if you will, group of five, whatever you want to call them. Um, the Pac-12 and Big 12 talk merger. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, would be kind of weird uh, with those eight remaining schools. Don't know if that works out logistically and just the money, the pure money reason. I don't know, but uh, I'm just upset because this has gone too far and now it's it's for real. And um, I think college athletics are going to, they're not going to be the same um, ever again. And they're trending in the wrong direction, in my opinion. I, I also guarantee that anybody who is all excited, us included, about 12, maybe a 16-team playoff, that ain't going to happen. Not with the rest of college football is going to rise up and say, screw you, SEC. You just poached a conference. You changed the landscape again. We're not going to reward you by giving you more potential spots. You're going to have to have all your big boys fight for that one or two spots a year just like everybody else. So... If you wanted the big 12-16 team playoff, kiss that goodbye. Ain't going to happen. Uh, I'm with, with Ryan. We talked a lot about conference realignment last week. I thought I had a much better solution um, back in the day, but mine's based on tradition and what college football fans want, not what the networks want. Everything's driven by money, and it's complete and utter BS. All right. We'll stick on the NCAA topic a little bit for my podium. Um, it's no secret that they do have a lot to fix, and to Ryan's point, might not be around much longer. I was at least, I'll start with a positive, encouraged by their somewhat neutral COVID protocol stance that came out today. So if you missed it, just a few things, uh, courtesy of The Athletic, um, they gave some guidelines on testing, quarantine, isolation, and other considerations for unvaccinated and fully vaccinated. Um, basically, while there are some more stringent potential things for unvaccinated, there's no requirement, there's no mandate. They took a much softer stance, I would say, than, say, the NFL or some companies have done. Um, could could quarantine or things like that potentially be a little bit longer for the unvaccinated? Yes, they're saying that, you know. Um, you know, is there still, when you're exposed, is there still some mask wearing for both? Yep. Um, you know, the thing is, is there's no social distancing as a result of this. Nobody has to wear a mask during the game. Nobody has to wear a mask on the sideline. So that stuff to me is encouraging. And again, if you want to say to people, hey, you're not vaccinated, you're at higher risk, I'm sorry, but you have to quarantine longer, fine. Because that's a personal choice that we make. So let us make that choice. If if we fully understand that it might mean 14 full days away from college football for me as a player versus three to five days, that's my choice. And I go in full no willing what my risks are. That's what America is effing founded on is freedom of choice, people. Kudos NCAA for doing something somewhat right, although loosely they are guidelines because the leagues can do whatever they want in the schools individually. We've already seen the BS that's coming out of my alma mater, Michigan State, Screw you, President whatever your name is, because you were once a, a doctor who studied infectious disease does not make you an expert in human rights. All right. So again, 
while those are just guidelines, it does send a message to all the other flaming liberals who want to take away our rights to choose. Speaking of which, while I'm on my soapbox, what would happen if you took away a pro-abortion person's right to choose? Um, yeah, that's what I thought. Anyway, let's get back to the NCAA. Let's, we'll dip a little bit more into the NIL in a bit because, well, it's hot and you're asking for more. But for the rest of my podium, I'm just going to throw some info at you about the transfer portal related to, specifically to college football. Then I'm going to drop the mic and let you come to a conclusion. The arrival of August 1st, thank you, courtesy of Athletic, where I saw this, I think it was a tweet from a writer, means we've officially entered a new transfer portal cycle. Here are the final stats for the 2021 cycle. I'll say the first cycle in this true current madness of, of you know free market society. 2,627 total FBS football transfers. That's just Division One, whatever you want to call it, straight on Division One football bowl subdivision. 63% of those, 1,648, were scholarship athletes. 761 or 29% were grad transfers. You do the math, that roughly leaves about 8% that were probably walk-ons that left. Now, if all 130 FBS schools had 85 scholarships, and due to myriad reasons, cheating, etc., etc., that isn't quite the case, it's, that would mean that nearly 15% of college football players transferred last year. 15%. And we don't even have a number on how many didn't land a new home or who had to go down a division because they took that chance. You tell me, is the transfer portal with no process, no protocols, no guidelines or rules good for college football? Moving on to our tee-up of the week. Ryan will tell you who, what, and I will tell you why. This week we're going to tee up people that have been ripping uh, Simone Biles, among others, um, with some mental health issues in, in athletics. Yeah, and and I'm going to say, like Ryan said, and I'll say not just Simone Biles, specifically her because she's been in the news, but any other athlete that is struggling with mental health. You want to question her toughness or her dedication with what she's gone through in her life? Uh, Larry Nasser ring a bell, anybody? Give me a effing break. She owes no one but herself a thing. She had, as she called them, the twisties. She got up in the air. She had no idea where she was. Her mind wasn't straight. That's a physical risk, let alone a mental risk. She wasn't right to compete, and she handed the opportunity to someone else. Do you think, I think it was Suni Lee that won the gold in her place in the all-around? Doesn't applaud the fact that she did that? Now, an unhealthy Simone probably wouldn't have won anyway, but still. And yet, that makes her a loser or any of the other derogatory terms of hatred thrown her way? Please. Put yourself in her shoes before you complain or bitch or demean or criticize. Hats off to Simone for doing what was right for her. Tee up to those who want to question her on her toughness. In fact, tee up and get the hell out. Leave the country with all the other libtards that are ruining life for the rest of us. All right. Can you tell I'm a little pissed off today? Got a little email on the different topic, but related email that got me going. So you're, you're getting the best of me today. So Riley and the boys who like it. This is all for you. All right, we'll chill out a little bit now. We're going to go four downs. We'll start with first down, and I'm going to start with this one. Um, we're going to get a little bit more into NIL, specifically a question that came in from one of our regular listeners. Thanks, Chris. Are top high school players more likely to go where they can start or and or play right away, or will they be willing to go somewhere where they've got to sit two years, that say like in Alabama, 
because at that school they can maximize their money and fame over a longer period of time. Fantastic question. Um, we're going to point to one example of that kind of craziness that's starting because of this uh, here in just a second. But specifically to that question, you know, it's a great one and it remains to be seen. I think the one first tip of the hat to what might happen is a little bit of a combination of both. Can't remember his name, Ryan. You probably remember Quinn his Ewers name. is the quarterback. Yes, the yep. quarterback who ditched his senior year of high school. Obviously, he had to graduate early to be able to do this. So academically, he's ahead in some way, shape, or form. Ditching his senior year of high school so he can immediately go to Ohio State and capitalize on his name, image, and likeness. Whoa. <laughs> now we got kids leaving high school early to go do this? I mean, that's a complete combination of where they can start and play right away. He's a top-rated quarterback. or And he's going to a massive program like Ohio State, Ooh, which, by the way, kudos to them in the world of NIL just announced this week that they are starting a licensing program for their trademarks. So for jerseys, for OSU logo, all the marks for their student athletes to capitalize on. First school, to my knowledge, that has done that. Bravo, Ohio State. You guys are ahead of the game. This is where these kids are really going to make bank. You know, the ones that look up in the crowd and they see, you know, of a 105,000 seat Buckeye Stadium and they see 50,000 of their jersey. Boom, boom, that's bank. Kudos Ohio State for that and this playing in the rules in this day and age. But stuff like that, to answer the question, I think it's going to depend. If you're super talented and you can get the money, you might go early like this kid did. Um, I, You know, I think for the tweeners, the, the middle, mid-road guys who probably aren't going to make a whole lot of money anyway, they'll gobble up a starting spot or an early chance to play somewhere else while these other guys go and sit and wait at the big boys. And that'll be really interesting, too, because, you know, in the past, it's been all about who can get me to the NFL in three years. Who can get me there faster? No waiting around, no dinking around the depth chart and any of that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a really interesting thing to keep an eye on. That's a great question that came in. Um, I think it, the start right away stuff benefits the the middle tier guys, you know, the Michigan State type of three star guys that are kind of the under the radar guys. They've got a chance to play and then make money. Um, and then the big guys are either going to go early like this kid did or they're going to go and they're still going to go to Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State and they're just going to wait it out because you know they're going to come in hot as a recruit. They're going to stay in the forefront and they're going to still make their money. Um, and still on this topic before I hand it over to Ryan for some thoughts. Today it came out that Imani Bates, last year uh, Michigan State commit, I think that was more smoke and mirrors just to draw attention to the fact that he was his dad was starting a you know, an online prep school for him to play at. Said today that he's reclassing to 2021. He's got his colleges down in Memphis, Oregon, Michigan State. I believe those three, right, Ryan? Or the G League. Um, I think this personally comes down to where is he going to make more money? Is he going to make more money potentially on NIL, playing in college for a year? And by the way, I've said it here, I don't think he's that good. I don't care. You can say he's a so-called unicorn. You can say he's a a once-in-a-generation talent. I don't see it at this point in time. Maybe down the road, but not there with you yet. But anyway, that aside, um, I think he goes to whichever, G League, or I'm going to predict Oregon because Mr. Phil Knight, king of Nike, can or can get him NIL money in a Nike deal right out of the gate that might make more than G League to go play for a year at Oregon. And to, to my buddies in our group chat that were talking 
and saying, if you're Imani Bates, would you rather go to Michigan State, which, yes, does have deep pockets, and go schlep for a mortgage company or pimp for a mortgage company, as they said, or would you go pimp for Nike? So this is all NIL stuff. This is all the crazy things that are going to be coming to the forefront over and over and over again. Guys reclassing. We talked about the Ohio State guy, Imani Bates. It's not going to end until there's something around it. Ryan, what are your thoughts on this, especially as a former college athlete? Would you have chased PT or the longer play with the bigger pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? I know you were D3, but let's just assume you were at least a, a guy that could have competed at Division One. Yeah, for sure. I think just like I touched on, I think maybe it was last week or the week before, but college athletics is now the wild, wild west. I mean, anything goes now. Money, all, like I just said, about, said earlier, I mean, money is so important now that the players can make profit out their name, image, and likeness. Um, uh, I'm a guy that would rather play over getting money, but I mean, obviously money for people that may not ha- come from a lot that are really good athletes, um, that are looking to get ahead already will, uh, will capitalize on that. And I don't blame anyone for that. Um, I mean, this is what yours is doing from Ohio state or for Ohio state. He, I don't know if he's going to play. I mean, he's the number one player in his class for 2022 moving up to 2021. Don't know what he will be, but, um, Definitely a talented kid. I mean, no doubt about that. Um, even though Ohio State's pretty crowded at the quarter of position, but was listening to the SiriusXM eighty four uh, ESPN Radio college, college Sports Talk. Uh, Dusty and uh, Danny Cannell in the morning. Um, they're talking about how he's has some six figure kombucha deal that he's signing with, and it's mainly because his dad will get share in the company or something. So there's going to be more parents, hands-on control, Amani Bates style. I I don't know. I I don't like it. Uh, I think this is not great. I mean, I I like the NIL for certain reasons, like the jersey stuff Ohio State is doing. I think that's great. I don't like that some random company could pay a guy 500k and get him to come to school there. Basically, I don't like that at all. I think that's a disadvantage, especially for uh, schools that aren't named Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson, um, among others. But yeah, just NIL, um, insane. Uh, it's only going to get worse here. They need to make some guidelines or something. Um, but if I were a player, I'd probably go for playing um, and then have that second because um, that would probably come with it, going to a big-time program, I think. Yeah, I, you know, I think so many kids are in a hurry to rush their college, and you can probably speak firsthand of this, Ryan. It ain't all it's cracked up to be when you get out. Like, everybody spends their life at my age wanting to go back. So you young college kids that want to get out and make bank, bro, (laughs) you're rushing it, man. Enjoy those four or five years or, like, Tommy Boy, seven years. You know, a lot of people go to school for seven years. They're called doctors. All right, more on NIL, I'm sure. Um, It's definitely going to change the landscape of college sports. Um, It already is changing the landscape of college sports, and it's an interesting topic to chat about. So... Thanks for that question that came in, Chris. All right, second down, um, staying in the realm of position previews, and we have what, probably by my count, two more weeks left from Michigan State. Yeah, we got this week and next week, and then we're going to start doing some. And then we'll get some Big Ten stuff. Um, So as he's done the last three pods now, Ryan's going to lead us in some more MSU football position previews. This week, the focus is on linebackers and defensive backs. Ryan, over to you. Yep, the back seven for the Spartans. Um, Second year, uh, defensive coordinator Scotty Hazleton. Uh, Yeah, 
two very important position groups, as are all position groups. But um, these guys, the linebackers, the communicators on the defense, that's who I'm going to start with. Um, I'm going to go in number order again, um, tell you a little bit about them. Then we'll jump to DBs, corners and safeties, all that good stuff. But starting at linebacker, um, a guy who I think has a really good chance at starting right away, that's number six, junior transfer from Tennessee, Corvarius Couch. Crouch, I'm sorry, not Couch, Crouch. Uh, fast, former f- four- or five-star running back. I'm going to high school switch to linebacker because he thought it'd probably be better for his pro career. Um, hard hitter, made a lot of tackles at Tennessee the last couple years. Um, he's fast. Apparently, he gets up to 21 miles an hour on those old trackers that they've been wearing, um, according to Xavier Henderson at Big Ten Media Days. So he's, he's uh, not lacking speed which Michigan State needs at linebacker position, SEC speed, which is always good. Uh, I think this guy is going to start eventually, maybe even game one. Don't know how much uh, he knows the playbook right now, but um, he's if he's talented and worth the time he's going to play, um, definitely going to be a beneficial player for I think the one drawback that he's got, as we saw last year, I mean, we had, um, oh, man in the middle, what was his name, that, like knew the Simmons, defense, Simmons knew Simmons, the yeah. the defense in and out, and we saw last year if you are a step out of spot or a step where you're indecisive, your ass is going to get burned, and then it's going to be a foot race with the secondary. That's the one drawback to the four two five that Michigan State plays now. Um, and so, while yes, some of Crouch's athleticism could make up for that, he's going to have to have at least a grasp on things because if he's, you know, a yard out of position. All of a sudden, you got a big gainer coming right at you with you know smaller guys trying to take down a downhill running back. So that's my one probably caveat or not a concern, but a caveat with him. Yeah, I completely say. agree with that. I mean, you have to know the playbook. You have to know where you're going to be. Read. Uh, it's definitely important. So we'll see what happens to them. Uh, number ten, freshman, true freshman, highest rated recruit in Michigan State's 2021 class. Uh, Maya Gote, Gayote, don't know how to say it. He's Hawaiian. Um, from Vegas uh, was a former USC commit. I think this guy's going to play uh, right away. High, like I said, highest rate recruit. He's big. He's like 6'3", 250. Fits the Tucker Fits mold. Fits the Mel Tucker mold of big and physical. Um, big time, big time recruit for us. I think he's going to be a game changer. Don't know if he's going to play a ton this year, but I definitely will think we'll see him on the field um, making some plays. Hopefully it'll be good in the future for us. Um Sticking with new guys, number 13, junior Ben Van Summerman came over from A2. Um, this guy's strong. I mean, if you see, look him up on Instagram, the guy's got, like, muscles on, on his muscles. Uh, insanely strong. Needs to get a grasp of the playbook. But he he, he played a little bit for Michigan. I think he, he'll definitely get in the lineup a little bit. Don't know if he'll start, but um, I think he'll play. Uh, he transfer for a reason and we want him for a reason so he'll probably get in a little bit I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do um, going to a guy who has played for the last couple of years played well last year I think he's got potential to be a really really nice player and that's 21 uh, junior Chase Klein uh, good chance to start at linebacker uh, like I said potential breakout candidate he's fast he's physical he's tough um, he's mean uh, he has fun I, I love the way he plays. Uh, he's an edge rusher slash linebacker. I think he's going to be really good for Michigan State this fall. Um, speaking of guys on the edge, number 24, uh, redshirt freshman Tank Brown. 
Um, transfer from Minnesota. Uh, he's really fast. He's a hybrid edge rusher. Another guy that might be able to crack the line, but don't know yet. Uh, might be a wait and see kind of kind of guy. Probably not this year, but maybe next. Um, provides depth at the position. Uh, definitely a guy you can throw in there occasionally if you think you can make plays. Um, Couple more linebackers, uh, redshirt freshman number twenty-five, Cole Demarzo from Hilton Head, one of my fa- our favorite places. Definitely gonna be a special teams guy, six-four, so you can play a little safety, maybe even. I think that's what we played in high school, hybrid, a little bit. Um, number twenty-seven, redshirt freshman Cal Halliday from Pennsylvania, another special teams guy. I think that he uh, is probably being molded to be probably one of the next big-time linebackers from Michigan State. Um, yeah, he fits that mold. He's like six-two, two-forty. Um, can move well. Uh, and then our last linebacker, um, returning senior, number 45, Noah Harvey, redshirt senior. Started from last year's most experienced in the linebacking room. He seems to be consistent. Last year he was in position, just couldn't make plays. He's not the fastest guy. Hopefully he got faster. Definitely strong. Uh, he's going to know the playbook better, make better reads. So hopefully watch a lot of film over the offseason. He can be good because I think he's beneficial. I mean, being just on the team for five years and being in the system for one on uh, playing a lot of downs last year at linebacker. Yeah, and I think Klein and Harvey especially, they both said, I remember reading it out of the spring, that things slowed down for them. You know, you hear guys say that all the time, like the 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 play on the field slowed down for me. You hear that as guys make the transition from freshman to redshirt, freshman to sophomore especially. And when you're learning a new system, and when you've you know you're plugging in that third linebacker spot as a hybrid, and it's more of like a, a defensive back, so you don't have maybe as much size, so it puts a lot of onus on those two guys, especially to be in the right spot, taking the right angles, making the right reads, hitting the right holes. And I think when you factor in, they had no spring football last year; it was all put on paper, and then they had the three and a half, four weeks of whatever practice, if they even had that, because of the start-stop disruption stuff last year. I mean, they were not in a position to have a lot of success there. And I think that those guys can help bring the other guys along. The depth grew through the transfer portal, especially, which we'll see in this next position group too. So a lot of turnover and talent, but I think there's a lot of talent there. It's a matter of how fast some of those guys can catch on uh, in addition to the guys that are returning. And I think it's going to be it's a huge position for that defense, especially in, in Michigan State is going to need to put pressure on the quarterback. We talked a little bit last week. They've got you know a great defensive line, not necessarily you know standout pass rushing true DNs at this point in time, but guys that you know can kind of stand up and, and fill in there on third down that also play linebacker. Um, you know, it'd be really interesting to watch how this pans out and how another year in the defense and a real hands-on training plays out I think for the team yeah I agree I mean I'm interested to see um what the media says about um just the team in general I mean especially the defense uh they get 15 minutes of viewing for each practice I guess uh moving forward so for the next three weeks we'll see what happens uh but moving over to the defensive backs um going number order again uh, start with number zero. Don't like that number for a college football player or, or for anything, but uh, here we are. Um, it's freshman Chuck Brantley. He's from Florida. Uh, he's a fast and physical safety, or in corner, sorry. Um, he probably is going to play uh, early. He's been marked as a guy uh, all along by experts that will play early. Uh, physical, like I said. 
very fast, mature, uh, just needs to get aggressive with the playbook. Definitely will see him out there. Um, strong kid. Uh, he'll be good for us. Uh, number one, Alabama transfer and senior Ronald Williams, former Juco guy, came to Bama and then uh, was dinged up a little bit last year, played a little bit, uh, won a national championship, and now he transferred to Michigan State. He has some game experience, like I said. Um, he's got the physical tools. Would not be surprised if he's starting game one at corner um, with with uh, Cologne Gervin, who I'll talk about in a minute. But if you're a guy that could start at Bama before he got hurt, yeah, he's with the king play. of defensive back coaching and Nick Saban, you probably have a good chance to see the field at Michigan State. Yeah, I just I, saying. From what I've read and I've, I've watched a little bit of his highlights, I think he's going to be legit um, for this year, which is good. Um, number nine, another transfer, redshirt freshman Marquis Lowry, uh, Louisville transfer. I think he's going to be a special teams guy, provide some depth, maybe crack the lineup if there's injuries or something, but he has a future with Michigan State. Um, yeah, another guy that's over six foot playing for Michigan State. So Colton Pouncey probably loves that. Um, moving on to number 11 freshman Antoine Booth from DeMatha High School in Maryland, uh, D.C. area. Uh, depth for the future for sure. Probably a redshirt candidate, but another guy that's like 6'2", uh, another big Big defensive back. That's good to see. We usually have defensive backs that are like 5'9". Um, mm-hmm. Definitely good to see. Uh, another redshirt freshman, number 14, Kari Crump. Arizona transfer. Another guy who provide depth. Probably play a little bit of special teams as well. Uh, good for the future. Uh, number 18, Kalon Gervin. Literally, basically the only cornerback uh, on the roster from last year uh, that has experience. Um, I think he showed some flashes the last couple of years. He's physical. He's like 6'2 as well. He's not the fastest guy in the world, which kind of stinks, but maybe he got faster over the offseason. We'll see. Um, I think he, he knows the playbook better now. And Stay healthy. He'll probably be a starter all year, all year long. Um, I think he could be a good player for us at a cast tech. A um, couple years left uh, as a redshirt junior. Uh, moving on to number 19, Junior in Florida transfer Chester Kimbrough. Uh, Red today has been working as the primary nickelback, which is good. He's another guy with size, 6'1". Uh, played a decent amount for Florida, another team that's had a lot of guys that, go, that have gone to the NFL uh, from the cornerback position. Um, yeah, I think he'd be a good player for us. Uh, he's got a couple years in this, uh, left on his, in his, um, for eligibility, which is good um, and, and reassuring for Michigan State. Uh, another transfer, number 33, Kendall Brooks. He's a junior D2 transfer from a school in South Carolina. Uh, this guy's running with the twos, apparently. Uh, another safety slash nickel. Um, definitely we'll see him out on the field, whether it be special teams or just as a backup. Uh, and then another guy to provide depth. Uh, safety, number 12, Michael Gravely. Safety slash corner. Probably going to redshirt, but he's long athletic. Played receiver in high school as well. Uh, so he's... You know he's got hands, which is good to see. And then the guy who I believe is the most important player on Michigan State's defense right now, and that's number three, Xavier Henderson, senior, finally. He's a leader. Uh, This guy's a hard hitter, run, support, like crazy. Expect big things out of this kid. Uh, I think he's got all conference written all over him. Like I said, thumper. He hits hard. Uh, He's physical. He needs to maybe be a little more... A lot better in the past game, supporting over the top, but um, like where he's trending right now um, at the safety position. Um, we'll stick with safety for the next few. Um, Michael Dowell, number seven, redshirt junior, 
Nope, another guy that will probably play Nickelback. He's gotten a lot better. Gotten rave reviews from the coaching staff, which is good to hear. Uh, third dowel in the system. Always good to have the family affair uh, that we do have at Michigan State. Um, moving on to a guy who uh, he's probably my favorite player in the secondary. Uh, last year he showed a lot of a lot of hope um, and promise in our secondary, and that's sophomore number fifteen, Angelo Gross from Ohio. Uh, this guy is going to be a star. He's a hard hitter. Uh, they call him Jello. Uh, Tucker got some nickname for him. I can't remember what it is, but it's something funny and makes sense. But he's going to start at safety. Um, another guy that just he hits hard. He jumps passing routes. He's aggressive. That's what we want. Uh, and then moving on to number 23, Darius Snow. Uh, Eric Snow's son. Little little ice action there. Uh, hybrid linebacker slash safety. Probably will play a little bit. Uh, don't know if he's overly quick or not. Uh, should be interesting to see if he cracks the lineup uh, game one against Northwestern here in 30 days, which is very, very, very exciting. A uh, couple more, number 28, redshirt sophomore Tate Halleck, four-still central boy, uh, special teams probably for sure. Uh, maybe we'll get in on some key second third down plays uh, and then number 29 freshman AJ Kirk's brother played at OSU definitely a redshirt candidate but uh, they they love this guy and what he can offer another guy that can play linebacker as well a uh, hard hitter and he's got good experience a little dinged up in high school but um, yeah the future is bright I think for Michigan State at these positions got some good some good recruits coming in as well only going to get better with with Mel and uh, just keeping this thing going I think We'll talk about it later, but a consistent year this year, maybe make a bowl game and just build from that, and you probably could get a top 20 class each year, which uh, yeah, helps, especially the, these positions. If the offense can step it up and be what it should be based on what you see on paper, the defense can take a little bit of time to come around. Um, I think there's going to be some moments there where they're equal parts great and equal parts flabbergastingly out of position, but... Um, the retooling of the depth in the roster, especially in the back seven, um, the fact that Michigan State always has a great front four, I think bodes well for the future. Um, both a little bit of the immediate. I mean, I think Michigan State's immediately going to be competitive, which you know is one big thing that we can ask for. Of course, we have more recent tastes of a lot of success, so we want to get back to that quicker. But I think the fact that they can go from kind of zero to 60 maybe this year, and we'll get into win totals and all that stuff over the next couple of weeks. But, you know, if they can get seven or, or eight wins and get to a decent bowl game, I think that's a bona fide great step for the team. So next week we'll wrap up Michigan State. We'll talk about special teams. Um, and then we'll spend the rest of the month of August kind of diving a little bit more into uh, the current Big Ten as it stands, the current 14 teams, kind of give you our predictions, thoughts for what's going to happen where and and all that kind of stuff. So stay tuned. Uh, other Big Ten football fans it will not just be about Michigan State the next few the next few weeks after next, or maybe even we'll start. Yeah, we could probably start next week, which is really exciting. All right, moving to third down and staying in college football because it's that time of the year. And ironic because I posed this as a potential topic for Ryan, or it was on our list, and then ESPN wrote about it yesterday because you know they're clearly listening to our podcasts and. Mm-hmm. And ripping off our ideas so you know too bad they didn't listen to my conference realignment because I think mine would have been better but anyway nonetheless 
best college football traditions. Ryan, I know, did some research. I'm just going to go off my old mind, what I've seen, what I've experienced in person, and so on and so forth. And, you know, there's not like I could say we could do top five or whatever, but let's just chat about it back and forth. I'm going to throw a couple out there and then you give me a few that you studied and let's just let's talk about it. So, yeah. you know, I think there's one question I guess I have is, and this is very subjective to people's opinions, but is what makes a tradition a tradition, right? Is it, for me, one of the best traditions, and it's not tradition like dating back 100 years, but tradition as in the last 20 or so years, is Virginia Tech enter Sandman, the, the entry music that they play and the way they come into the stadium. I mean, had a chance to go to Vatech OSU opener a couple years ago, but Michigan State was playing Oregon, and I chose as a, as a fan to go to the Michigan State game instead of going as an employee of the then Amway coaches pull to that. Michigan, it was a great Michigan State game. I beat Oregon. I, I kind of wish I would have gone to that just because I don't know how often I'll get to Blacksburg. But, like, that's one example of tradition is, like, the music. Or from the music, we'll go to South Carolina when I was there, played Sandstorm, and the whole place just, like, whips towels around, and it's just, like, it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. And LSU, they sing Garth Brooks, Colin Baton Rouge. I know, Ryan, you said at Alabama they sing in Alabama. Dixieland Delight. Dixieland yeah. Delight with their own lyrics. Um, so you got, like the music side or you know for Spartans fans it's we have Thunderstruck we'll see if Mel changes that or not I hope he doesn't because it's been around for a while and it's tradition um so you got that kind of tradition you got the kind of tradition that's like Boomer Sooner and the in the cart that came out and crashed last year and all their mm-hmm. beer and shit fell out <laughs> out of the field fortunately nobody was hurt but you got stuff like that or the Seminole at Florida State or the Trojan at USC um, so you've got a little bit more of the, or or Ralphie at Colorado, or you know Rachel's friends upstairs who's going to be one of the handlers for the Ram at Colorado State. Don't remember what his name is, but so you have like the live animal or the live mascot type of thing, and then you've got just standard tradition like Notre Dame and the gold helmets in Penn State and the plain blue and white, um, or their whiteout. Uh, you've got. I mean, just you could go on and on, regional, league, team, whatever. I mean, Ryan, you have a few in mind, too, I think, of what, you know, some great traditions. But what do you think makes a great tradition? Yeah, I think just the fact that, like, literally everything you just talked about, I mean, it's known nationally, right? I mean, you you see videos on, on, on YouTube. I mean, I the last month I've been looking up these videos and watching them just because I... I love college football, and I love the traditions and the pageantry that comes along with it. Um, just the fact that people can look it up, people get in on it. Other schools know about it, you know, all this stuff. You look forward to seeing it. Um, just the tradition of doing it, like you said, the, the Penn State white helmets, the Notre Dame gold, the Golden Domers, I mean, all this stuff. As much as I hate it, Michigan's winged helmet. I, I right? mean, that's, like, that's tradition. That's college football tradition. That's what makes it. the go blue sign when yeah, you're going to I mean, the stadium. It's, it's, what makes, it's what makes it. College football, the group, the best, uh, in my opinion. Dotting the eye at Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, I mean, I love college basketball, don't get me wrong, but there's something about college football that just gets your blood flowing and just gets you excited. The pageantry of college football is unmatched. College basketball is better, I, I think, because I'm a basketball guy. But for hyping you up, it's maybe because it's less games, you know? I, you know, you only have so many to look forward to. But, like, Especially my first time in Spartan Stadium this year, 
when I wasn't there last year. And this will be the first year in a while that I've probably been able to go to all the home games because of just schedules over the last several years. Just like getting there early to hear the band and what how that makes me feel still all these years later as an alumnus. I mean, like that's our own little tradition, Michigan State and whatever. But every school has something like that. And that's just what, I mean, you've got traditions and you've got this bands probably more than the traditions in college basketball. But I mean, like Ryan said, these highlight videos, like, some of the stuff has never changed. Like, you know, the incessant playing of, you know, that what Notre Dame plays, their band up to the last second before you take the snap. Or USC does it. I still can hear it from the 1988 Rose Bowl. Um, just like all that stuff adds up and it matters. And it makes, that's what, going back to Ryan's podium, makes that so just disheartening is that that might go away yes tradition stays because teams aren't the teams aren't going to change but some of that stuff goes by the wayside if you if you like take your 130 teams and you say basically you know only 50 of you are worth you know worth our time like there's the tradition of the music for cbs or the music for the different station you know like their their intro music i mean coming to your city on game day you know like all of that is tradition, and that's what college football is wrought with, and that's why we're so excited about it and why it better go off as planned. Um, no more of this Delta variant BS and all that other stuff. Let them play. Let us get back to life. Let us fill the stadium. Let us make a choice. Let us have fun. Because that's probably what I missed more than anything last year. Yeah, you always want to win, but I missed those moments that I just know that I can count on the cadence of the band every time. You know, even when a band like Ohio State comes in and they dot the I in your stadium, I mean, just that's that's little stuff, but the big stuff is just it's crazy. I mean, Ryan, what were some of the things that you uncovered? Did anything that I missed? Yeah, dotting the I was definitely on there. I mean, we talked about running out the Howard's Rock, oh, Howard's Rock, and they run down yeah. the hill, tap the rock, they come on the bus. Um, what we talked about Virginia Tech, they're staying West Virginia Country Roads. I mean, all this yeah. stuff, Penn State Whiteout. Chief Osceola at FSU playing the, the spear. USC playing the, playing their sword. Jump around at Wisconsin. Yeah, jump around. The, Grove, the pregame traditions. The the Grove at, at Ole Miss. Toddy, toddy. Yeah. All, all that good stuff. I mean, unbelievable. The Sooner Schooner, the Auburn War Eagle, all this stuff. I mean, it's all just unbelievable. It's so just – if you get a chance, look it up on YouTube. Look up these videos. Just look up Best College Football Traditions. There's like a 20-minute video that has – a bunch of this stuff on there. And even go to the cool HBCUs and they've got their just crazy intense bands and like the epic competitions that they have and they have to like kick them off the sideline at halftime because yeah. people are more there for the band than they are for the football. I mean, if that doesn't get you going, then you are not a college football fan and you probably shouldn't listen to our podcast because we have not had a college football season. I mean, we've had a little bit of games, you know, kind of as we started our podcast late last December, but... We're full-on going into a season where everybody starts at zero and has something to cheer for. And I don't know, even if Michigan State, you know, of course I hope they go 10-2, and two, but even if they go 6-6 six and six or 7-5, and five, but I can tailgate and I can catch the band coming in the stadium and I can see Sparty and I can smell those smells and see those sights and feel that fall feel in the air, that to me will make having to have sat out last year even more sweet, I will say for sure. All right. 
fourth down. We've been uh, a little away from our golf reviews. Well, we had Garland a few weeks ago, um, and then we didn't play anything too spectacular. We played twice this weekend. We're not going to rate the second course because, quite frankly, although I played pretty well and had two chip-ins for birdie, it was a goat track Alpine Golf mm-hmm. Club. Haven't played there in years. It's about what I remembered. Could be better if they had a little bit of money. Not, not bad for a cheap Saturday round if you're looking for one and if you're willing to play behind a bunch of slow hacks. But anyway, Friday... We played Pilgrim's Run, which for anybody in West Michigan who hasn't played it and plays golf, I can't believe you haven't because it's the best course in West Michigan. I mean, it is a high-caliber, up-north-caliber, difficult golf course that is beautiful, is in great shape, is tricky, is pleasing to the eye, is everything that you would want without quite the up-north resort fee. I want to say it was like 140 two bucks for Ryan and I to both play together. So 71 bucks a guy, not bad, difficult par 73. We played the split tees, blue whites, which is still like 135 slope. I mean, it's, it is, it's a difficult course, but it's one of those courses that even if you're going to have 12 good holes and seven really bad holes, because the course is so great, you're, you're going to enjoy it. It's one of those, it's like Harbortown. Like Harbortown was really difficult. Neither of us played very well, but it was just memorable and great. That's what I would say about Pilgrim's Run. Ryan, how about you? Yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely my favorite course in West Michigan. Um, just unbelievable. So well kept. Uh, I think it's a masterpiece, really. Um, it's just, it, just so pretty to look at. It's fast, it's firm, it's lush, so well-maintained, uh, unique golf holes, long, short, uh, where you have to Only finesse, three par dog legs. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's the whole nine yards. I mean, I, and it's not, I mean, it's 70, $71, I think, on the weekend, but I mean, that's for a course like that, I mean, that should be $150 at least. I mean, right. yeah. you're getting, getting a course, I mean, 71 might be a lot to some people, but for a course of that caliber, you're getting a steal. Um and it's always, I've always loved it. Love when I get to play that every year, um, even though it's very challenging. It is. It, it's it an ass kicker. Is. It's, uh, it'll beat you down sure. a little bit, but just you just look around and you're like, oh, I, I don't I don't care. Uh, it's just great to be there. Um, I mean, yeah, you got Nate, turkey and pheasant and just deer fun. and, I mean, pretty much everything. And, and holes from scary tight to wide open sweeping but still they find a way to get you because they're tough in another way i mean it's just no easy par threes and there's only three of them you know the one on the back is diabolical there's like eight sand traps it's it's it's, you know it's over a carry which you know you could flub your t-shot like ryan did and you're safe but it's to a two-tiered green and if you're long and the pins back you better hold that top tier which i didn't do if you get in one of those sand traps, you better be good out of the sand because you're going to fly into one on the other side. I mean, it's that kind of course. Like, there's some risk rewards. 18 is an automatic two t two t ball hole, and when I play it, because it's like 240 to carry the water from the blue tees um, to go straight. Um, we were on the green, and and the kid in the group behind us cleared the water. It's like 275 to the to the green. Um, it's a big sweeping dogleg right kind of a curve right dog leg around a, a lake wide open left pure carry over water straight ahead so stuff like that or um two holes before that number 16 
you know it's not a driver off the tee unless you go left and it just sucks you right in a giant pond and a long par four. I mean, it's just that, it's that kind of a great course. You know, for me, I would say, boy, best hole, it's hard to pick, but I, man, so many good ones. I'm going to go with, was it number five, your first, your second par five, because the first hole is a par five, kind of a dog leg straight out, dog leg right, dog leg back a little bit left. It's a little bit of a zigzag, wide open, huge bunker in the middle of the fairway. Tons of room left. Nobody ever goes there. They either go towards the bunker or they end up in the woods right. But great par five, elevated two-tier green. I would say that's that's probably the best hole, although mm-hmm. you could make an argument for almost every hole in that course. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I uh, like that one a lot. Um, there's not one that I don't like. I mean, there, it's hard. It's for me, it's really hard to choose because I like all of them, even though they're all very difficult. Yeah, and I mean, there's not really a worst hole either. I would say, you know, sometimes we talk about there's no there's no holes that I would substitute, but one that just it gets me every time is number ten. And if you've played there, you know it. It shouldn't be that hard. It's only a little over three hundred yards. The green is crazy. It's got like three buried elephants. It's got two tiers or it's you i don't even know it's like an arcadia bluffs type of thing some pot bunkers around it it's a pretty tight driving hole um and it just kicks my ass and it sets the tone for the back nine because then you go that hole then you go par five which is pretty long and then you go long par four then you go long par five uphill and it just you know if you can't conquer that number 10 which very rarely do i you're looking at upper 40s maybe low 50s on the back and all of a sudden around that's decent just kind of falls apart so it's more about the holes that can jump up and bite you than than a worse hole greens i don't know ryan how would you rate the greens yeah i'd say four and a half i mean they roll true they're fast tough tough i mean all kinds of like pins can be in all kinds of quadrants and places and it's very strategic golf because you can leave yourself with some just nasty, nasty spots that a three-putt is just going to happen, not because you necessarily hit a bad putt, but because you landed in the wrong spot. So I would agree with that. I'd give the greens 4.5 probably so far this year. Best greens we've played on, I would say. Yeah, in Michigan. Pretty easily. Sure, yeah. yeah, in Michigan. I mean, Hilton Head was a um, – Harbortown was a five for sure. But uh, scenery – for me, you know, you don't have the lake, so you don't have Arcadia Bluffs, but you got to put that to the side because not very many courses, unless you're playing Bay Harbor or Arcadia or whatever in Michigan, are you going to have something that spectacular? But I mean, you got to give it a good solid four, four and a half there too, just because of the terrain, the trees, the way it's kept up, the things that are around it. Yeah, completely agree. Same thing, four, four and a half. How about variety? Yeah, um, like I said before. 4.5 again I mean it's there's a lot of different holes long short mm-hmm. dog leg yeah challenging a, a hole that I like to that effect is number eight so you're coming off a long par three um, number seven number eight is one of those where if you play it as the fairway goes it's a pretty good dog leg left it's not very long um, but if you cut the corner which most people do because it's not that hard to cut the corner it's like 210 215 um, you know, you could be hitting to a downhill fairway spot to an uphill green that's got multiple bowls and tiers. I mean, to you got just straightaway long par fours like number 16 that I was talking about where 
you got a magnet of water right to draw you in, plenty of room left, and then a green tucked in around the water. I mean, there's just variety's got to be a five for me. I mean, minus I wish partially because par threes are my friend this this year when I look at the gin. Um, I wish there were four par threes or even more. Um, that's the one thing, and the par threes even at that minus number four, which is pretty short and somewhat docile, is the easiest one. They're not easy, um, but variety other than that, I, I got to give it a five. And overall rating for me, I mean, in Michigan this year without having played Arcadia, and, you know, we played some really good Garland courses. It's the best course that I've played so far this year in Michigan. I mean, I'm not going to give it a five. That's for the very rare courses like Arcadia Bluffs, but it's a solid four and a half. Um, everything about it is great. You know, the clubhouse is in great shape. The people are really nice great driving range it's, it's one of the rare places that actually just gives you a bucket of balls to hit you don't have to pay for a bucket of balls um yeah it's a we probably really need to put it on our list twice a year i would say right yeah i agree 4.5 for me as well all right that out of the way we've calmed down i can see it in the uh in the little audio waves we've gone from really loud and high pitched and pissed off to a little bit more mellow golf will do that for us which doesn't always do that for us at the time of the round but nonetheless let's end as we always do with a sprint all right ryan first who is the most important player on the msu defense this season yeah i said earlier number three xavier henderson all right number two pile up easy wins or play a hard non-conference slate we're talking about football not basketball yeah i think i i think a tough non-conference slate gives you points and st- not points style points for the uh playoff if you're in the running for that so i'll go with tough slate i like i like watching tough games all right next best olympics moment so far uh, i think my favorite moment that's just hilarious was when that australian girl won the the swimming against kayla decky and the coach was like ripping off his mask and oh, humping yeah. the pole the... that was awesome <laughs> i forgot about that. so that such raw emotion yeah absolutely which is what you love to see and then because we always love to talk about movies movie from the early 2000s you could or do watch over and over yeah uh so many good ones but i'm gonna go with super bad one of my favorites of all time yeah there's there's a lot of good movies between 2000 and 2009 10 for sure all right, for me, i got to agree with Ryan. Uh, my f- most important player is Xavier Henderson. He's the veteran of the back five. He's going to need to get these guys in places to make plays. He's been there. He came in highly touted. Uh, I think it's going to be a big season for him. Pile up easy wins or play a hard non-conference slate. Uh, you know, I know the SEC does this. They play kind of like one good game, one and one like dud, the Citadel or something. I hate that. I mean, as a fan paying big money to go to games I mean I want the games to be competitive of course I don't want to just play great teams and lose to them but I want to see Michigan State playing good non-conference teams like this year we've got Miami there was one point where around now it was supposed to be Miami and West Virginia and then like a Youngstown or a you know no offense but Western or Eastern or Central that, that's fine like in fact I don't mind playing Western Central yeah, or I like Eastern that. I like that because of the state of Michigan thing every year just I and Eastern kind of dropped out of it because they couldn't I don't know there there was some deal Michigan State had made under Mark Hollis for them so if you want to rotate between Eastern and West or Western and Central every year I'm totally fine with that but yes please Miami Washington 
you know, the Pac-12 teams, an SEC school would be great if you could get one to actually get off their ass and play a home-and-home home yeah, instead won't. of playing neutral, which they won't. Um, SEC is garbage from that perspective in my end. Everybody in November takes a week off and plays an absolute cupcake. It's ridiculous. It's boring. It's to set you up for the national title, so quote-unquote smart, but please. Best Olympics moment so far is hard to argue with Ryan's, but I've I got to go, and I think I mentioned the last week, Lydia Jacoby, the 17-year-old breaststroker from Alaska, the reaction of her classmates and her family. I mean, like, even when I've seen it a lot of times and watched the end of that race where she was the unexpected person unseating her teammate and somebody else, it still gives me chills. I mean, that's what it's all about, and that's somebody that's like Rachel's age that did that. And for me, movie from the early 2000s, I could and do watch over and over partly because they're both on TV an awful lot and partly just because I laugh my ass off both anytime I watch either of them, Step Brothers or Hot Tub Time Machine. All right, Ryan, give us a few final social media reminders. Yep, uh, you know the drill. Follow us on, on Twitter at the Final Score 35 uh, Also trying to maybe come up with a little uh, Final Score Fantasy Football League. Uh, if anyone's interested, DM me on Twitter. Uh, DM the final score on Twitter, text me, do whatever, trying to build up a league and trying to get some people involved. So if you want to be involved or know anyone that wants to be involved, we'll make a league and maybe we'll put a couple bucks on it. We'll maybe we'll figure out a way to maybe we'll figure out a way to do like a pick 'em contest too, where somebody who's got the best record can come on and guest pick with us the next yeah, week or be, something. Yeah, like we that. can do that for that. That'd be really I like that. That'd be a really cool. Yeah, idea. get a you know maybe we can get a sponsor to foot the bill for a season-ending winner can go shopping in the. Fanatic store, or whatever I had that way back in the day on the the original the final score dot net, the blog that I had. All right, well that's it for this week. As Ryan said, share those ideas, likes, dislikes, topics via Twitter. Text him, text me, hit us up when we post this to our Instagram. Um, enjoy the rants this week. If you don't like them, sorry, but by now thirty two episodes, I think you said Ryan mm-hmm. in. You kind of know what you're going to get when it comes to me, especially. Um, we're about ready to finish off Michigan State. We're going to dive into Big Ten previews. Preseason NFL is here. Baseball races are heating up. It is a great time to be a sports fan. Thank you again to Team Anders Realtors, our presenting sponsor. Learn more about how Team Anders can help you with your realty needs at teamanders.com. Meantime, maybe someday we could ride Majestic. Translucent steeds shooting flaming arrows across the bridge of Hembear.